Hi, this is Jay Billis of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter is back with you all over the major platforms. Keep the downloads and subscriptions coming, the five-star reviews, the feedback, all of it helps an awful lot. Tell your friends about the ML Sports Platter. Most of my listeners come from Apple Podcasts. If you have an Apple smartphone and you haven't downloaded yet, just do so by finding the purple podcast button on your smartphone device, your your Apple phone. Uh, Click that, go to the search button, type in ML Sports Platter, and then hit follow, show, or subscribe, and you'll get new and archived episodes of the show. We are brought to you by Stanley Law Office's Brian Comboy of Mass Mutual New York State and Stumbling Monkey Brewing Company. And uh, right now I'm going to bring on a, a really good friend of mine, he covered the Syracuse Chiefs for a couple of decades, uh, multiple Hall of Fame inductions uh, through the years, a couple of decades plus on that as well. I've been lucky enough to go with him on so many of uh, the last 15 or 16 years or so. Uh, he's covered multiple World Series. He's also a big-time Beatles guru and fan, so we're going to get into a little bit of the Beatles on that Disney Get Back special, which I started. It's amazing. We're going to talk about his beloved Eagles. Uh, we're going to get into some Baseball Hall of Fame inductee stuff and, and and who else might get in for the class of 2022. We know six guys got in already with those newer committees. And then at the end, we're going to uh, dedicate the show um, to a friend of both of ours uh, who just recently passed away, Donnie Stats, Donnie Baseball, as you know him, in central New York. My man, my good friend, Matt Michael. Matt, how are you, buddy? And happy New Year to you as well. Boy, they just fly by, don't they? It's it's scary. Yeah, yeah. They get faster and faster too. Yeah, uh, hard, they, to keep, hard to keep up. They sure do. Um, I got four topics for you today. The first of which is is obviously before we get to the baseball Hall of Fame inductee stuff, and then uh, honor and talk about our our dear friend John, uh, Don Johnson, who just recently passed away. Who, um, you know, both you and I knew very well. Um, first things first here, man. I started that get back on Disney Channel, the Beatles special. Matt, you're the yeah. biggest Beatle fan I know. You're the biggest <laughs> Beatle guru I know. Matt, that special is really, really great. What are your takeaways from that uh, episode? You know, from yeah, that documentary. It, it, it's really, it, it is something. Um, and Beatles fans have been waiting for this for a long time. Uh, there's this hours, and hours of footage and recordings that never were released. So, uh, so this has been a real treat. And I would, I would say this, uh, Mike. Like, this is this is the Beatles at their worst. You know, this is when things were starting to fracture and uh, the, this, this whole idea for the show that they were going to do, that they were recording just, just was never, never really hit, you know, it, it, it probably wasn't a good idea to begin with and it remained a, a bad idea, but you know, that all said, you really do get insight into uh, the relationships and how they worked and how the music is created. I've always been fascinated. Like if I, if I could do one thing, you know, with the Beatles, it would not, maybe not be to go to a concert, although that'd be great, but it would be to go to a recording session, yeah. you know, during, yeah. during uh rubber soul or revolver or Sergeant Pepper, like when they were at their best, but I still think you get, you get glimpses of that and you get to see uh, the relationship, I think between, you know, John and Paul, what made it so special and also what made it ultimately, you know, uh, separate. So it's just, it's just really cool to see it. And, and, just by itself, just seeing them all together, 
you know mm-hmm. i mean we you know you see them on the, the ed sullivan show you see that footage or, or some of these other things but to see them at that period in their lives and and you know as a group and together um by itself to me is is very special you know the beatles it, it's mad it's unbelievable john lennon's been gone for 40 plus years mm-hmm. uh harrison's now been gone for a good amount of time yeah uh they were in their prime you know all the way back now in, in in the early mid 60s probably you know i mean they're still as big as ever they are iconic they are you can't even use generational because they're never going to die you know i mean there's no they're connecting all the generations and they go through the years i see young people wear beatles stuff then there's people like you and there's people a little bit older than you and matt everybody's roped into this thing. I'm, I'm obsessed with the Beatles, you know? So like, they're never going to die, man. They aren't. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, and, and look, if people have their taste in music, you know, that's fine. You could, you could like the Beatles music or not like it, but I would just say, I I think you're going to be hard pressed to find any act or group, you know, 50 years after they break up to get the attention that the Beatles, you know, are getting right now. Um, you know, and there's this documentary, there's a, you know, a CD deluxe release and books and all that kind of stuff. It, um, but it, you know, it, it all goes back to the music and, yeah. um, you know, even like I said, let it be, they were pretty much at their worst and musically, you know, in addition to, well, if you don't know, Abbey Road was their, um, let it be was released after Abbey Road, but it was recorded last. That was the last thing they did. And everybody, you know, generally puts Abbey Road among their best albums. Let it be is not so much. Um, so again, you know, musically they weren't, um, you know, they weren't at their at the top of their game, and their relationships weren't great. But I'll say this: if you take the songs on that album, the songs that they're working on during that documentary, that would be a wonderful greatest hits album for ninety nine. of bands, you know, that ever had a recording contract. I mean, so, you know, the music always stayed strong. It's always something that I think people, you know, connect with and it's catchy. You know, they, (laughs) they, uh, they had a way of, uh, you know, making you tap your toes and all that. So it's just, um, yeah, it, it, it is remarkable, but I think there are reasons for it. And yet, you know, in songs like Get Back and others, they may have been starting to fizzle away as a band and, and friction and, you know, the whole John Paul thing and people didn't know their roles in the band and all the rest, but they were still writing and thinking the same way, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, as previous years. I mean, think about Paul, right? Like, I believe the song began Get Back as a commentary about immigration, right? It was telling people to get, yeah. to get back yeah. to their own countries and all that. And it was mocking Britain's anti-immigrant proponents and then McCartney, who you know sang it, uh, uh, wrote the song. He thought better of it and, and pulled back a little bit, made the lyrics a little bit, I don't know, more reasonable, right? I mean, but it was those things, that kind of thinking, putting the words together, the songs together. They were still so intelligent, as good as ever, from that perspective. Correct? Yes, and that's what fascinates me the most, just that process. And so the documentary itself is, I think, a total of around eight hours or so. But there were many, many more hours. So we don't get to see the whole thing. But Get Back's a good example where, you know, Paul comes in and he has this, you know, this idea, this melody and this riff. And they're kind of starting to, you know, work on it. And then he has those lyrics about immigration. And that that isn't going anywhere. And 
eventually it evolves. We don't see the whole evolution. We don't, I mean, at, at times you see, and you see some of John's contributions, even if it's just a word here or there, and you see the songs sort of evolve into, you know, the, the classic it is now. And it's fun because, you know, we've, well, I have, I've been listening to that song, you know, for 45 years or so or, or more in my life. Um, so, you know, it so well, but then to see it from the beginning, like where, where it was just a thought in Paul's head and, you know, and here we go. Um, so it's, I, I just, I find that really interesting and, and the, the back and forth and clearly, um, and I'm actually reading a book now it's by, by Paul, uh, called lyrics. And it's, um, it's really, he's never done anything autobiographically, but this is the closest thing to it where he just goes through songs and he talks about, you know, where they came from and how it worked. And, you know, there's a lot in there about just this, these little things that they would do to help each other out to ultimately make the songs better. And, and in the end, the biggest problem with Paul, John and George and even Ringo in their solo careers is that the other guys weren't there, <laughs> you know, yeah. like they all did some really good stuff and they're so, but they didn't have that, you know, they lost the best team, uh, you know, that they could be playing on. And uh, so the music suffered. Uh, fortunately, we had 10 years where the, they were together and the music didn't suffer. Yeah, no doubt about that. Let's get to your beloved Eagles. Matt, I, I got to tell you, I've been impressed. I mean, goodness, this team was two and five. They yeah. found a way through. They're going to the postseason. A lot of it has to do with Jalen Hurts. Listen, I don't know if this guy, I don't know if he's the guy, right? Because a lot of times you have a guy, but you need the guy. I don't know if he's he's up there like that. I, I, it's hard to find those guys, Brady, Rodgers, Peyton Manning, those kind of guys, Big Ben. It's hard to find them, Mahomes. Um, but, man, Hurts has been really, really good. He's got almost 4,000 yards of total offense. He's accounted for, uh, my God, he's accounted as we record this for 26 touchdowns. Um, Two-parter here. How do you yeah. feel about this team in the postseason, and do you feel like Hertz deserves at least maybe another year or two to, to kind of find out officially if he's if he's the guy or yeah, their guy? Uh, well, I, I think, well, as far as the postseason goes, I don't think anybody wants to play him right now um, because they're playing really physical football. They're running the ball yep. a lot, running it well, and I don't think they're going to win the first round, but I think I don't think they'll get blown out i think they'll, they'll give whoever they play a, a at least a decent game um as far as hurts goes you know he, i watched as much as i can this year and and uh and last year when he took over and i'm still not 100 percent sold on him i like his intangibles i think the team responds to him i think he is a winner i think he you know he just has control of the team um but physically there are things that he has not done um you know throwing the ball anyway and and the turnaround occurred well two things occurred uh they started playing worse teams <laughs> so that helped and they started running the ball more regularly they've run the ball more this year than uh, you go back uh, probably before Andy Reid I mean they they've always been a pass happy team but you know uh the, to their credit they uh, they switched gears this year and and that's what's really been turning around for them. And so I, I, obviously at some point, I think next year you're not going to catch teams maybe as off guard with that. Teams will just load up the box, challenge Hurts to beat them. So he's going to have to start making some throws that he has been making. Yeah. But, you know, he can get better. And, you know, he didn't, uh, you know, he wasn't a situation like uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, I'm not going to say he's the comparison, but I think he's, He'd be that kind of guy, like in their Eagles' wildest dreams, right? He'd become Russell Wilson. 
but Wilson kind of went in as a rookie into a really good situation. You know, Hertz was thrown in last year with the Carson Wentz mess and a team that just wasn't that good, had a lot of injuries, um, now a new coach this year. So he definitely needs, I, I think he deserves more time, needs more time. And because even though they have three first round draft picks, the, the quarterback uh, rookie class coming out isn't all that great. Um, so I, I think you definitely have to give him another year. Matt Michael, our guest, a longtime journalist, of course, covered uh, the Syracuse Chiefs for a couple of decades and uh, multiple uh, World Series and, of course, the Baseball Hall of Fame inductions for over 20 years. <laughs> it's hard to hard to think about that. I've been going, I think, what, 15, 16 of those years with you, and it, the years just blow by. Let, let's get into the Hall of Fame uh, inductees for 2022, Matt. As you know, there's these new committees, the Golden Days Era Committee, um, basically contributions from 50 to 1969, the early baseball era committee. Uh, it, it basically considers the contributions prior to 1950, and they decided Jim Cott, Tony Oliva, Minnie Minoso, Gil Hodges, Bud Fowler, and Buck O'Neill are in. What are your overall thoughts about this Super 6 here? And I got to tell you, it, it bothers me that Buck O'Neill didn't get in when he was around, and this group also, the other thing that just jumps off the page for me is Jim Cott is just one of the greatest guys in baseball. He's unbelievable as a broadcaster. He was an unbelievable player, obviously, too, but it couldn't happen to a nicer guy in Kitty. Yeah. Excuse me, Mike. Uh, I'm waiting, Mike, when they have the Sal's Pizzeria Committee. (laughs) So then we could go to Sal's and uh, and really get all this straightened out. Um, (laughs) But, well, you know, Buck O'Neill, I mean, take that first. Um, <clears throat> we were there on the day. It was a year. It was one of those in-between years. And I don't know if, I think maybe Bruce Souter or something. Yeah, 2006. Year, yep, yep. Yeah. And and they, so uh, baseball went back and, and finally really looked at the records and all that. And, and uh, they put in 16 Negro League players, uh, Buck O'Neill not being one of them, which, you know, baseball they can't get anything right. And, and, uh, um, and yet Buck O'Neill was there that day, um, speaking on behalf of those players and, and it, you know, such a classy guy. Like that, that to me, that, the shame here is that he, he's not alive to see it when he could have been, yeah. but that said, I'm glad he is in, you know, the other guys, uh, it's funny. We, we had our own little round table out here with our friend Rocco, uh, I don't know, when was that, Mike? A couple summers ago. Yeah, already, and, yeah. And yeah. we were talking about <clears throat> these guys who, you know, aren't in, who should be in of the guys who aren't in. And a lot of those names now, you know, went in, uh, Gil Hodges and Oliva and those guys. You know, I don't have, you know, the bar is being lowered. I think there's no question about that. And so I don't, you know, I guess that's, if you know, I, that's a personal opinion whether you like like that or not. Um, but I think if some of the guys who have gotten in recently by the uh, writers um, or, or the Veterans Committee, whatever it's called, it keeps changing names. But, um, you know, then I think guys like Oliva and Hodges should be in. And Jim Cott, you are you are so right. Um, might be the best former player and analyst announcer I've ever heard oh, still. Gosh. And there are a lot of really good ones out there. But. But he he was just he was fantastic in that role. A great player, two hundred what eighty three wins I think. Um, obviously a long career. Um, yeah, I, I I think too. I do think you 
you know, in the big picture of things that you do include some of these. And it's the reason I would put Tommy John in too. He also won 289 games. Um, but, you know, talk about being a pioneer, you know, the surgery <laughs> named after him. You know, I look at it the same way with Todd. I mean, I think his contributions to the game, being an ambassador for the game, all those things should carry some weight in there. And if you're tipping the scales, it should tip them in. And that's what happened, I think, with him. Yeah, Jim Cott, 283, you nailed that. Tommy John, 288. Um, but hey, you know, one off, my gosh, man. I mean, it's, you know, God, it's, it, it really, uh, your baseball knowledge and, and, uh, you know, the breakdown of that was really good. You know, I, I just did a piece this morning, uh, that'll air, uh, soon on Dan Reeves. Um, this year I'm going to mm-hmm. do a little bit more of like remembering an iconic, you know, coach player, whoever, you know, if, if they pass mm-hmm. and kind of break down their career and just, just get into a, a big dialogue about him. And, and with Madden dying, and Reeves, who was a, a great player, not an elite player. He was a great head coach. He wasn't Don Shula, Bill Belichick, Vince Lombardi. We know that. But when you have these guys who have these multiple roles, you mentioned Kitty, the player and the broadcaster, the ambassador, Tommy John, same deal uh, with the ambassador thing and an innovator and, and breaking ground in history with the Tommy John surgery. Plus, you put his career with that. You know, Matt, I'm almost wondering if some of these Hall of Fames, and I know we already have too much change now, but you almost wonder, like, okay, should there be a, a committee that just focuses on guys who aren't elite in in several different areas, but they're really good to great, and you just you put them in the Hall of Fame when you combine all those things and just call it something. I don't know what, yeah. but you just call them something. Like Gil Hodges fits that for me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he's another good example because you know he's had a really nice career as a player. Um, and I think of what, um, no, I, I, he wasn't, I don't think he was an MVP, but certainly mm-hmm. an important part of the, the Brooklyn Dodgers and, mm-hmm. and their success. Um, but then he managed the Mets to be, you know, the, one of the most unlikely world series of all time in 69. So I do think, yeah, I, you know, and that's been kicked around about, you know, having some sort of wing like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's worth a discussion. Um, you know, you, and, and this is why I'm in, I won't go down this path too far, Mike, but, you know, I do think one of the way that you distinguish Willie Mays from, you know, Harold Baines, yep. yes, they're both in the Hall of Fame, but Willie was a first ballot, you know, right. Hall of Famer. I do think the timing does, you know, matter. So maybe maybe it's something like that where you're, you've got a wing of first ballot guys and then a wing of other guys voted in and then maybe guys voted in by the veterans committee or something like that. Um, you know, they're all in the hall of fame. They all are recognized there, but it, but you sort of separate that a little bit. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really tricky thing. I mean, I'm glad we're even still talking about this, that people care enough to talk about it. Um, at least I hope they do. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a solution out there somewhere because now if they're going to be voting in, you know, this many players when the committee meets, you know, it is going to get quite saturated. Yeah, and Jim Cott told me that on a on a podcast show recently. He said there are different levels of Hall of Famers, and I understand that. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. you know, like I've never never really heard mm-hmm. anybody say that. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, okay, Don Johnston was one of a kind. Um, you <laughs> you <laughs> you spent time with him in the press box uh, as a beat guy for the Chiefs. Donnie stats, Donnie baseball. He was everywhere. Um, he interned at Colgate. 
just a stat whiz, could, could just count down to the last seconds of when he would see you next. Crunch, Mets, uh, Chiefs, Central Square High School sports. Um, historically, the, you know, the Salty Dogs. Uh, all, all of these con- contributions and, and the stat whiz that he was. Um, how do you remember Don Johnston? Well, in many ways, I just, you know, you mentioned the salty dogs. I, I forgot about that. Me too. Um, until I read his obit. <laughs> yeah. I think there might've been a time where maybe he wasn't working for the chiefs at that time or I, not to get too deep in all that, but the salty dogs and the chiefs were not, you know, on best of terms back in the day. And it was almost like, you know, the Mets taking, uh, hiring Casey Stangle after the Yankees let him go. Yeah. Like, you know, like the Salty Dogs took Don Johnston after the Chiefs let him go because everybody loved Donnie, you know. <laughs> everybody knew Donnie, and and they knew, you know, his value uh, to the team. So, um, yeah, he, he, was, he was one of a kind. Um, we, you know, long baseball seasons, long games. I spent a lot of time with him in the press box. And, uh, you know, he just, he would... He would do anything for you. Um, there was an announcer from uh, Indianapolis uh, when they played Indianapolis and the um, when the Chiefs played them, although they were in a well, the leagues combined. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but anyway, this guy, this guy was named Howard Kelman, and he was a good guy, a voracious reader. And back in the day, you couldn't get everything online like you could now. So Donnie, you know, when, when Indianapolis was in town, Donnie would go to Durston's or some, you know, some other place to get, you know, newspapers and magazines just to have for Howard when he came in. And, and, you know, and then he would apologize for not having more, you know, (laughs) that was, but, you know, it's just the way he, he thought and what he did. Um, I, I remember my, when my kids were young and they'd come up to the press box, Donnie would always get them a popcorn or a, soda or a souvenir you know that kind of thing um it just it's just a heart of gold you know <laughs> like it, we should all be so lucky to be as half as nice as don johnston it yeah i mean that was so it was just put great by you just so well on on you know who he was and what he represented and you know i he had been i guess in a nursing home for for a little while and had had some declining health, but, um, you know, and that's really all I know, uh, just talking to some people, but I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was this grave, you know, towards, towards the last, I don't know, year or so. Um, but one thing too, Matt, when, when you look at a guy like Donnie too, is like he, you mentioned we should all be, you know, so lucky, um, you know, to know him and, 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 to, you know, if we had all of his qualities, et cetera. The other thing that really stood out to me for Don too is he wanted to learn, you know, he, like my dad coached him in elementary school. I I know I texted you and the guys that he taught him and coached him, but actually he just coached him, but he just, he wanted to learn. He knew he wasn't the best player on the basketball team at Cleveland Mm -hmm. elementary. He didn't, he, he wasn't probably, I mean, maybe he was the worst player, you know, on the team, but he wanted to like, just be a part of it so he could learn. He just, he wanted to keep learning. And for a guy who memorized everything and knew every number in, in, in sports and in life and you know hours and weeks and seconds, and he wanted more. He wanted to learn. And I think that that's just a great thing. You know, he, he always wanted to exercise his mind more. And I, I really, I had a grand, a really grand respect for that for, with him. Yeah. I, 
as you're telling that, Mike, and you're you know right on target there. Um, I think I when I was covering the Chiefs and I would get um, the major league media guides sent to our office because they would have the minor league players in there and they were just good to have, you know, again, <laughs> all this stuff wasn't online back then, but so, you know, I'd go through a season and I'd have them and then, you know, I would be getting the new ones the next year. So I would give Donnie my old ones and, uh, you know, he loved that. Uh, I remember dropping off at his house and, uh, he had like bookshelves and bookshelves no. and stuff. And, um, and the thing is though, he would read them. He, yeah. to your you know, point, he would look through them and then, you know, he'd come back the next year or the next day or whatever it was and, and uh, you know, have some, you know, stat on the Cincinnati Reds that, you know, it was just interesting or you never thought of or heard of, you know. And, it, yeah, it was just, it was always fun. And he um, he was also, uh, he was the kind of guy, you know, you could tell him, you know, I'd be sitting there and I'd have my calculator, again, before phones, you know, before smartphones, but the calculator would be out and he, um you know, the pitcher would be leaving a game and I'd say, all right, Donnie, this guy's given up, you know, 48 earned runs and 151 in the third innings. What's his ERA? And, uh, you know, 99 out of a hundred times he would be right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a sh- you know, it's funny because sports analytics weren't even, you know, they were a twinkle in somebody's eye back then. And, and nobody, <laughs> nobody thought of that, but I mean, you know, it, it's a shame that had Donnie maybe, you know, come along a little later in the sense where, where somebody would say, okay, here's what we need you to do, you know, go figure this out. And whether it was, you know, like finding every strikeout victim in Nolan Ryan's career or something else, you know, like just go and, and, uh, you know, and do this. And I think he would have been wonderful at that. It was just, you know, not something that people were too, you know, in tune with at that time. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, a little Beatles, a little Eagles, a little uh, baseball hall of fame. And of course this show, uh, dedicated to our uh, terrific friend, Donald Johnson, who just recently passed away. Donnie Baseball, Donnie Stats, will be missed for sure. And uh, prayers and uh, thoughts go to his family, uh, his two daughters especially, and Amy and Christina, who uh, he just uh, adored. Matt Michael, thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Uh, you're welcome, Mike, and rest in peace, Donnie. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends over at Welch & Company Jewelers, Elevate Fitness of Syracuse, your State Farm agent, Matt Graham, and Stanley Law Offices. Together, they'll work to get you the maximum reward. Huge thank you to Matt Michael breaking things down, Beatles, Eagles, Hall of Fame, and uh, remembering our dear friend Don Johnston as well. You can hit me on Twitter, at Sports, and as I always tell you, enjoy the games. <laughs> is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on 
That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.